My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 42 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast. In this week's show we've got head coach at Running Coach Ireland, Rene Borg, talking about the ideal warm-up and how doing a good warm-up can actually have massive long-term benefits for our running career. And we interview one of the main driving forces behind what promises to be the event of a lifetime in Clonmel in September. The World Masters Mountain Running Championships on home soil in Ireland. And Trisha Blackburn is here to tell us all about it. Everybody, let's get our running gear on. Let's go. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to the show and great to have you all on board again with us and hopefully you're all training very well at the moment, getting ready for all the big races coming up in the summertime and then later on in spring. And guys, what a great event to look forward to. The World Masters Mountain Running Championships coming to Ireland in September. And as you'll hear here later on, Trisha, she's going to tell us all about it and it really is an event for everybody, all levels, all ages and share more on that a little bit later on. Some news to catch up on for First and firstly, congratulations to Zach Hanna, who won the Athletics Ireland Mountain Runner of the Year Award after some great runs across Europe last year. And of course, that impressive win in the Chamonix Vertical Kilometre. Well done, Zach. And Zach, if you're listening in, yourself, Mark Ryan and Niall McCarthy pretty much joined me for dinner most evenings as there is a lovely photograph of the four of us after the European Championships in Zermatt in 2019, I think it was, in the living room shelf. So Zach, well done on going from strength to strength over the last few years. It was great also to see the Brocka Immer race go off so successfully a few weeks ago. And well done to Caroline Reed and Jarlett Hines, who did their 100 Immer race and joined the 100 club and got some very cool Club 100 t-shirts presented to them. Barry McAvoy and Sophie Daly took the win on the exciting six kilometer course then and speaking of wins a massive congratulations to Killarney man Kevin Leahy who reached the finish line of the world's coldest and some might say the toughest race out there the Yukon Arctic 300 mile ultra race in a fantastic first place first place in the running category in a time of five days 19 hours and 15 minutes well done kevin and a second carry man um eo curran from the dingala peninsula was also out there out there competing and both guys had to drag a sled weighing between 25 kilograms and 30 kilograms with all their cooking tent and clothing equipment through the course And all I can say, guys, is wow. Unbelievable mental and physical strength from the two lads there. Congratulations to both. And we thought that running up a hill was tough. Never mind 300 miles um, across the Yukon Arctic. And before we call in Rene, everybody, a big thank you as always to our Patreons who support the show every month. And since our last show, thank you to Fergus Courtney and Lou Mullay, who became part of the team here with their contribution of just a price of a gel a month. Thanks a million, guys. And if anybody else out there would like to help out the show, we do our best to get two full shows out every month and then two highlights shows as well with our feature interview. You can get more details over on patreon.com Trail Running Ireland podcast. Right, so guys, let's call in our resident coaching guru and talk about an aspect of our training that we might take for granted and not pay too much attention to, but can actually add greatly to our running performance over the long term. Rennie Borg from Running Coach Ireland. Rennie, great to have you back with us as always. And Rennie, rumour has it that you've imported a new pair of magic shoes for your local race tomorrow. Are you ready to rock? <laughs> I should be giving away all my secrets, Owen. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's because now the, the pressure's on, you know, because imagine if I if I have a really bad race, even, even with support, you know, what would that say? Well, well, maybe in our next segment, we might see how you get on with the with the new balance ones, I think, Rennie, is it that you were talking about? No, not not quite, but it's it's, it's a brand that starts with an N. Yeah, no, so the, um, as, as, 
so our listeners probably imagine anything that's new in this field um, in our kind of line of work, we have to test it. And I had a bit of a selfish motivation to test everything that could help me this year, because as uh, some listeners might know, last year wasn't a great year for me in terms of training. And there's only eight months to go for the World Masters. So, um, you know, every edge I can find, um, I w- I'm going to look for it. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are the same. So I heard about North Face, um, you know, dipping their toes in the carbon market. Um, and they've, prov- they've basically produced a shoe. I think it's called Vector Flight. Um, so I just thought, look, um, you know, in, in, in my idealized mind, I probably would prefer a world where we could all run without these aids. But as we had a chat about before this call, they're here now. Um, this is the competitive environment we're in. Also, a lot of us uh, have had a lot of injuries through our careers. So that means, you know, we've worn out a little bit of our natural spring. So there might be a bit of potential for, you know, keeping going at a higher level for longer than, you know, maybe our track record would otherwise allow. And so I thought, look, let's um, put these ideals to the side and, and give this shoe a bit of a run out. So tomorrow, yeah, it's, 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 I'm going to give it a test um, on a course that's called Broca Burst which is a course I actually happened to propose to Imra a number of years ago. I think it was back in 2015 because I like the idea of slightly shorter hill races and this is only six kilometers. So I've never had the chance to actually race it myself because I've either um, race directed it or I've just not been you know, able to race when it was on. So it was just kind of, a, it was a big opportunity because uh, we, I think there's about eight or nine people from my club here, Glenlock AC, doing it. So when I saw they were doing it, I thought, look, the coach should be there. It's a race I proposed. I should really give it a go. And um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll have a both a, a good day for me personally, but also a chance to, to test some new equipment. And then in a, in a few weeks or months, yeah, I'd be quite happy to give the listeners an impression, you know, whether the, what's the fuss about? Is it worth it? Sure. Very so good. But I think at the moment, anyway, Renny, they're, they're the only trail running shoes with, I think, a carbon plate in them. Now, the listeners might correct me if I'm wrong. And I know Pau Capel, of course, who is one of the best trail runners in the world, he's been wearing them for the last 12 months or so. And he's due over in the Transgran Canaria, which is kind of like the big season opener across the international trail running um, calendar in a couple of weeks time and I'm sure he'll be wearing them there in the 160k distance maybe a little bit less I think um, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on with them over such a long distance as well and, and speaking of racing tomorrow Renny it's a nice segue for us into our topic for today because I'm sure part of your race tomorrow you're going to be doing a warm-up now we're not, we're not going to talk about the the importance of a warm-up itself because I think everybody knows the benefits of a warm-up. I'm sure anybody that has been running for a long period of time has does their warm-up before races. But the angle that we might look at is is to consider the warm-up important, not just for your imminent session or a race that you're about to do, but those exercises that we do in the warm-up can also aid our long-term development as an athlete and also help the injury proof us as well. So we get the two benefits of getting ready for the race, but also making us stronger long-term as well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as I say, basically, if you were to take all the the terminology and the details away from the idea of, of warming up, it's obviously just the idea of bringing a body gently um, up to the intensity uh, you know, and the other demands of the workout that you are going to do or the race you're going to do. And that means when you're doing easy runs, it's not so elaborate because the demands are low. And when you're doing, say, you know, high intensity interval sessions or all out racing, um, then there's quite a lot. There's a few steps that you ideally would go through because the, the body, the demand you're going to be putting on the body in the race are quite, is, you know, they're quite significant. And it, it has a funny history, uh, if you just kind of, for a quick anecdote, Owen, that Percy Serity, who was one of my favorite coaches, he laughed at the concept of um, the warm-up because he would say, have you ever seen a cat warm up before rushing uh, away? And obviously we haven't really, you know, the cats generally, like most animals, they can just go um, from being what it looks like totally relaxed to sprinting away at the drop of a hat. But the reason like, like for that, kids, Renee, as well, if you ever look at kids before they go out to play football or even kids when they go to run a race, 
kids never have to warm up either. It's only as we get older in life. Yeah, and actually, see, I, th- I over the years, it, I say it's not so much that we get older, although everything is harder when you get older. It's because we get less active. And mm. it's the same for the kids and for the animals, you know, both, although, you know, with the example of cats, they sleep an awful lot, but when they're active, they're quite active. But basically, cats and kids and, and animals, they spend most of their life in natural positions um, and engaged in natural activity. What they don't do is they do not sit or stand or are otherwise kind of locked in uh, unnatural positions for very long periods of time. You know, and that's one of the problems of adulthood, you know, is you can find yourself quite a lot in a car in front of a machine in the factory or sitting in your office uh, statically, even at a standing desk, standing statically, you know. So this is what really gets us. And that's the difference between a wild animal and you could say domesticated human, which is really what we are, because obviously once upon a time there was wild humans or tribal humans or whatever you want to call them. And they didn't have the same, uh, what do you call it? They didn't have the same need for warm-ups before activity because they were always moving. You know, everything they did was a type of mobilization and a type of strengthening and, you know, learning to just use the body. So if you do that all day and, and so- suddenly, you know, there's a call on you to sprint away from danger or towards something, you wouldn't have much uh, of a demand. But it, it's, what that highlights is because most of us don't live like that. Yeah. We have to think about, well, how can we help the body then get out of these kind of very static modern positions that it's in and ease it into the high demand natural you know, high intensity running that you might be doing in a race. And this this is what in, in athletics, in modern language, they call long-term athlete development. So if, if there's anyone who's a little bit well-read listening to this call, you might have seen this in some of the textbooks. And there's a lot of athletics associations who, who make quite a big fuss about long-term athletic development. Um, I had a conversation with, what's his name? I think it's Pat Ryan from Athletics Ireland a few years ago. And one of the comments he made was that he felt that there were some countries out in Europe where the overall physical development of the the running athletes was better than it was in Ireland. And it's something he would have liked to see change. But he said it was because there was a culture of focusing on running too much in isolation, you know, but and neglecting a lot of the basic movement abilities that actually create the ability to be athletic in running and in other sports. So, now, so does that mean, Rennie, then, that to get a, a good warm-up done that covers everything from getting us ready for the race to helping our long-term development, that it's not just about slowly increasing our pace over 15 to 20 minutes until we get close to race pace and then we're ready to go. There's a bit, a little bit more involved, isn't there? Yeah, or there can be, because this is the opportunity, because the, the, the reason this whole long-term athletic development and hasn't taken off in the people who've analyzed it is that it can be quite difficult to fit into your life especially if you're not you know a full-time pro who you know who can spend every hour of the day thinking about how do I make my body better at doing my main activity so what they found was that it needs to be simple that means that the exercise that you're given that is going to improve you needs to be something that you can teach yourself and that when you're out there about to do your activity, your run, you don't need to think about, oh, yeah, how was it again? I executed this, you know, and then it needs to be time efficient to integrate. So that means if if improving a part of your athleticism would be, oh, I need to do an hour strength and mobility training. That's not time efficient for many people listening to this. You know, mm-hmm. I know there are people listening who do that and can do that or who just have decided this is the price they want to pay for their performance. But for, for a lot of people, it's not, it's very hard to fit in those types of other things. And that means then the only thing that there's room for is the running. And then we, we kind of get imbalanced because we lack the correct, you know, muscular strength, mobility around certain joints, ability to move properly. So what they suggest today is why don't we try and take just kind of condensed parts of these sorts of good activities and put them into the warm-up. And then at least if you do them for most of your runs, you get a small dose of this, you know, maybe nearly on a daily basis. 
Yeah. Yeah. And what I find, Renny, as well, is that if you get used to doing these type of warm-up exercises and your warm-up routine um, on a weekly basis, in your hard training sessions, in your tempo runs, that when it comes to race day, you automatically then mentally and physically switch into hard running mode because it's like you've trained your body oh yes once i start doing my knee lifts or my butt kicks or my quick steps on my jumps the body knows that a big effort is coming and then it just makes the warm-up on race day just that much easier and i often find that when i'm say doing a maybe an interval session or a, or a hill run session on a weekday it might take maybe 25 to 30 minutes before i'm ready to go because it's just that much harder when you're on your own and you know it's early morning or whatever and then when I get to the race day itself I'll need only half the time and to do my warm-up because like what you mentioned a couple of moments ago you have that adrenaline in your body so you don't need to be warmed up as much so it's a great combination of everything and you get great benefit from just building up that habit and routine of doing all these types of exercises in the warm-up. Exactly. And to, to give people a starting point, you know, we, we thought we'd share a protocol. It's probably the most popular at the moment. They call it the RAMP protocol. Mm-hmm. And it, it has three steps. And the first one is called raise. The second one is called activation and mobilization. And the last one is called potentiation. It's very kind of a highfalutin word. Um, sometimes it's called performance, which is a little bit easier to understand than what exactly is meant there. Mm-hmm. But basically, if we just walk people through it real quick, so the the raise phase is the one that's most familiar to what people are already doing. So that's basically where the aim is to get your the blood flowing in your body, to get your muscle temperature up, to get your core temperature up, and through that increase your muscle elasticity, and the quality of what's called neural activation. So that just means your, your nervous system actually needs kind of time to boot up as well, you know, a little bit like a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, this is traditionally most of us have just done by, we just plod, you know, for 10 minutes, real slow. Um, but you don't have to limit yourself to that. Although if your main run is not very demanding, it could be as simple as just saying, I'm going to take it real easy, for the first 10 minutes, you know, and I shared this wonderful video from, you know, the NN running team and um, the ones that are doing that did the sub uh, two hour marathon attempt. You know, there's this wonderful video on YouTube where you see them starting their run at 540 in the morning. It's totally pitch black and you have all these absolutely, you know, these the peak of human running performance. But they start lovely and gentle, you know, for 20 minutes. They're just jogging in the dark, chatting, but then they take off. But even, you know, these fine machines, they understand that you can't just roll out of bed at 540 in the morning um, and just go straight into, you know, second or third gear. Yeah. And, and sometimes when I think for maybe people that are new to the sport of running and just getting to know their bodies, getting to know the sport, that you might need to kind of leave your ego behind sometimes because you might think, oh, I'm not going to be running at nine minutes a kilometer or 10 minutes a kilometer. I don't want people to see me running so slow. Um, But that's what's needed because, as you said, in 20 minutes time, then you'll be able to show everybody what you've got. Exactly. And you don't have to, you know, if you want to make it a little bit interesting because, you know, you don't like just plotting for 10, 15 minutes, this is, a, this is the part of the warm-up where you can add in very gentle running drills that you might have seen or have even, even just simple stuff that you already know that you were taught in PE in school, you know, little mm-hmm. ankling drills, pitter-patters, high knees, butt kicks, you know, don't worry too much about the biomechanical accuracy of all of them at the moment. Uh, because there's there's many you could there's hundreds you could pick, but you're just kind of looking for gentle little exercises that are roughly related to running, but that create a bit of movement, you know, and this that that's all it is. You know, if it was a different sport, you could warm up in a different way, you know, and if uh, it, it's just get get that blood flowing, get the feeling that the body's temperature is up. And then you go to what's called activation and mobilization. And this is essentially the part that has replaced where a lot of people used to do their static stretching, right? Because you probably remember, Owen, we were taught in PE, you know, before we even started, they had us do 
all of these static stretches. And I always found there was something not quite right about that because I felt like I was pulling at these really stiff, cold muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and then science caught up with uh, this practice and found out that actually, you know, if you do static stretching before performance, it actually decreases performance. Um, and there's no good link between post-event stretching and injury prevention. There is a place for it as if it's done separate. You know, it has a space if it's done right and in the right way. But before a session where the practice has moved on now is that instead what you want to do is movements that take the joints you're going to use for your sport into the full range of motion that they're going to experience and through some of what they call the fundamental movements. So what that means is if you think about running, the main joints that are doing a lot of movement um, is, is obviously the hip and the upper spine, because you have extend, you have to have full extension, especially for, for racing. So you would want to do some exercises that get a good bit of movement into your hip and into your upper spine. You'll also want to get a little bit of movement into your knees and your ankles. So mm -hmm. that's why you'll see a lot of runners might do some squats. They might do some lunge matrixes or things like that. They might do some leg swings and, you know, all these different kind of exercises. And there's, there's a, a small difference. You'd often start with something like leg swings because there's no real resistance on that. You know, you're just basically, you're just moving the joint through. And the, the reason it's called mobilization and activation is that you're not only looking to move the joint, you're looking to just begin to control the movement around the joint. That means getting the muscles that attach to that joint to start firing. You know, so when you do an exercise like a lunge, at a, as, as part of your warm-up, you know, it could just be 10 front lunges or something like that. Or you might do, you know, put a, a mobility band around your knees and you might do a few, you know, um, what do you call it? Side steps, you know, which also activates the glutes, things mm -hmm. like that. That sort of exercise gets the muscles around all the joints you now plan to use firing. So you have the activation, you've got the mobilization. And then the only thing you need to add is the performance, or as they call it here, potentiation. What that means is you need to add the explosive element that will be in your run. So if you're doing, let's say, 5K intervals, it's quite explosive. If you're doing mm. a race uh, that is, let's say, 5K, 10K hill race, it's quite explosive. If you're doing an ultra run, you don't really need much there because there's not a big explosive demand in your event. Yeah. Now, Although it has a fancy name, potentiation, it's actually the phase most people are already most familiar with, because this is the space where you could do just your strides, right? Mm. You could do some pickups, some strides. Maybe you could do, you know, if you're going out for a mountain run, you could even do with a few quick turns because, you know, in mountain running, having a little bit of 3D, you know, change of direction can be in can help prevent injury you know if you have that up and up and running similarly you could use more explosive jumping drills you know like powerful jumps on the spot you could do a little bit of skipping um you know just stuff like that but this is the whole idea you know you raise the body temperature you get all your joints moving through the full range of motion that you're going to need get a little bit of activation in all the muscles that are the prime movers and then do some quick you know, strides are similar, and then you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. No, just some great tips there, Renny. And I often wonder, say, when I'm looking at American sports such as basketball, American football, ice hockey, when you see these highly paid professional athletes literally sitting on a bench waiting to come on to perform basketball for example we all know the typical scene the the basketballers are all on the bench their coach calls them over and then they're expected to go straight onto the court and you know do their do their slam dunking play their game or whatever without a proper warm-up and i often wonder how they do it and if sports like that that don't seem to incorporate a good warm-up um, are they more injury prone? Because what we're talking about here seems so basic, it seems so practical, and nearly all runners will do it. But it doesn't seem to be the case in all sports. You see, I hadn't even noticed that, but it's been many years since I watched American sports. You know, I used to watch a little bit of American football, but um I have because now I watch mainly I'm, I'm a soccer man when it comes to to spectating you know when I'm not watching running I like to watch the, the football and um, yeah. I, they do very elaborate 
Warm they do. Season. And in fairness to football, yeah, at least you will see footballers running up and down the sideline or doing something. But watch the next basketball game, Renee. And the basketballers will be just sitting on the bench with their arms crossed and then the, the coach will give them a shout and out they go. <laughs> yeah, look, it is. It's kind of it's 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 strange, you know, that it hasn't trickle through there because you know you i certainly myself you know with anything you read about you, it's, it's healthy to have a skepticism and say ah look i don't really need that uh, but when i first heard of this idea of gradually building all the elements of a warm-up i found huge benefits from that like whenever i i took the time and said let's not just roll out put on the shoes and then just be right into it the quality of all the runs was just better um, and the body felt better afterwards. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a change of mindset because I, I was listening to this book called Living the Dream by Matt Fitzgerald, which covers him training for, I think it's about three, three to four months with this professional running team in Flagstaff. Um, and he notices all those things, you know, and he notices that the mindset very much in a group like that is that every day they're trying to become better athletes. So mm-hmm. it, for them, it's not just about trying to log miles with the hope that if they put enough miles in the bank, then they're going to be wonderful performers in races. They think about the whole picture, like the body is like a finely tuned machine and they look after it and they invest in it like you would, you know, in your favorite car kind of. Yeah. Um, and, and it is true. Whenever I change my mindset from just getting the miles and the hours in to say, no, no, I actually have to feel more athletic as the days and weeks pass. Like I have to feel like the body is functioning better. It, it, it actually, that's what happens. Um, but it is just so easy to be diverted off that path as a runner because the mileage goal is always so tempting to pursue, but sacrificing everything else. Yeah, and, and maybe just to, to finish off at the point, Renny, that we were saying was that not to go crazy on the internet looking for the perfect warm-up routine because you'll find dozens and dozens of potential different exercises that you can do. Keep it simple. Get your 10, 15 minutes, easy, easy jog. Work in, incorporate four or five simple plyometric type exercises, things that we've all seen and done for years, like we mentioned a couple of times, knee lifts, butt kicks, um, quick steps, jumps, four or five strides. And it's better to have something that's 80% right that you will definitely do regularly and feel comfortable doing rather than trying to find perfection because we all we often don't have time to find perfection and we could go down various rabbit holes trying to do it so if we do something that's in this case i think 80 percent right but then this we're off to a good start yeah that's absolutely key because there are perfect exercises out there but it take you can you can spend so long trying to find them and they can be as you mentioned they're quite difficult to to learn at first. And that means if you have to spend 15 minutes learning an exercise, that's fine if you have the time on one day, but you can't integrate that seamlessly into your day-to-day routine until you master that particular exercise. So the problem is what a lot of people do is they try to learn too many things too quickly. The best thing you could do is just find what you know now, integrate the routine, you know, the basic ramp pattern with whatever you know today. And then you can start looking around if you have the time and if you're curious to say, well, um, is there something slightly better, you know, than what I'm doing? Or just, you know, look around, see what you like, what seems to really make your body feel good. But only I would recommend just pick one at a time. You know, you might see a new type of lunge that you think, wow, this lunge is a little bit more running specific than the one I used to do. I like Mm -hmm. how it's described here. So I'm going to learn that. But teach yourself that exercise so that you can just do it in your sleep. Because then it's no effort at all, you know, and this whole idea is once you get a habit in place and you keep it, I think they say 21 days, some say a little bit more than that, it starts to become easy. You know, it doesn't take any mental effort for you to do it. You just do it. Yeah. And that's yeah. the stage. Then you can then pick another thing, you know, and then over many years, you can add layers and perfection, but don't try and just, you know, if you try and as they create that perfect routine, tomorrow you often end up doing so much time in research and trying to master all this new stuff that you actually don't get it done at all or you just kind of get really frustrated because these exercises are so complicated you know there's no way you know they start to irritate you and delay you in getting out you know for your run 
And that yeah. obviously doesn't work, you know, and then because then the whole process fails there and you, you will probably end up just doing no drills that day. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, Renny, we'll leave it there for today. And um, don't forget your own warm up routine tomorrow before your, your race in your new shiny carbon plated North Face runners. And listen, best of luck. We hope you enjoy it. And thanks a million for that there, Renny, today. That was great. And if anybody does want to find out more about Renny, Renny Borg and his coaching services, you can get him on Facebook, on Instagram. Renny, thanks a million and good luck tomorrow. All right, oh, cheers. Time for our feature interview this week, everybody, and what a special event we have to look forward to. The first weekend in September this year, a world championship mountain running event coming to Ireland. And here to tell us more about it is someone who loves the mountains. She's enjoyed representing Ireland over the years in many Masters Championships and who, alongside our team, have both a daunting but a very exciting task ahead. A big welcome to Trisha Blackburn. What a special guest we have with us on this week's show. We've got one of the main driving forces behind the 21st World Mountain Running Championships that are going to take place on home soil in Clonmel, Tipperary, from the 2nd to the 4th of September. Trisha Blackburn, you're very, very welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me on. Um, delighted to be here, and thank you. Um, and thanks for that nice introduction. <laughs> ah, Trisha, it's going to be brilliant. As soon as I saw it there a couple of months go up, I think it came up maybe on my Facebook feed or something like that. I went, oh, wow, this is going to be some weekend. And the two of us have have been on these trips before with, you know, friends and, and fellow runners and club mates and, and, and national team members, you know, of course, as well, running in the green singlet. And it's such a special occasion. Um, and even more so when if you're lucky enough to have an Irish flag flying or we get a couple of medals. And, and so to have it on home soil, um, you can tell me now if this is the first time or not, we have a Masters World Championship on home soil, but what a brilliant event to look forward to. Is it the first time, Trisha, that a World Championship is coming to the mountains in Ireland? Yes, yes, it is indeed, Owen. Um, this is the first time the World Masters mountain running championship has come to Ireland. So uh, we're so proud to be bringing it. We uh, had four years, I suppose, it's been in the pipeline. Um, We applied in 2018, but didn't quite make it. So again, 2019, we actually uh, had got the bid for 2020, but of course with COVID, everything was moved on a year. So um, Austria held it last year. And now we're obviously hosting it uh, this year. So delighted, so delighted to get that opportunity and, um, you know, to get an opportunity to bring top class athletes to this country because they're serious athletes uh, who, who, who run these mountains in Europe. Yeah. You know, the Italians and the Austrians are very, very competitive. Yeah, and and isn't the great thing, I think, about Irish mountain running that, you know, we do have such strong masters, over 35 mountain runners as well. You know, there's a lot of high caliber athletes there, male and female, that are going to be there competing for for medals come September. And just to go back to, like, say, a couple of years ago, I suppose, where did the idea come from? Um, Where did the ambition come from to bring a world championships to Ireland, first of all, and then bring it to, to your home patch down in Tipperary. Yeah. Okay. Um, I suppose a long story short, um, Tom, my husband, who would be uh, an avid mountain runner, um, and we both would have gone to these events over the last, I'd say, eight to ten years. We've travelled to Europe many a time uh, competing in these events. So within our own club I suppose to give you a bit of context we would be um big into organizing different events within the club so uh we've had the care half marathon would have been one of our events we do a lot of organizing within EMRA so I suppose race organization was a thing we always had and Mm -hmm. we have observed over going to the events in Europe you know looking at it kind of going yeah you know we could do that wouldn't it be great to bring it to Ireland? So the idea kind of came to us way back. I'd say it was 2014-15. We started talking about it, having a laugh after the event is over and we're sitting having our 
or celebrate your glass of wine, you know, you're talking about it amongst friends. But yeah. um, as, as we went to more events and um, I'd be a, a keen organiser. Um, so just take a note every year how the event was ran and taking in uh, the detail, you know. So definitely, you know, I'm saying, God, yeah, we can really do this. Let's tr- let's go for it. Literally, yeah. that was it. Lots of support from our own local club here, the Morabi Milers. Um, they're fantastic. Lots of support, of course, from IMRA, Irish Mountain Running Association as well. So lots of great people there. And uh, they were willing to back us. And um, all you need is a good team after that, you know. Yeah. And I suppose like you, you do need to get all the important organizations and institutions on board, don't you, for such a big event. You mentioned IMRA there. I mean, did you have to go to say local county councils then in Tipperary to get, I don't know, any permissions or to seek maybe funding and backing to support you? Because it's not just an athletics event that you're going to bring to Tipperary, but you're going to bring, you know, hopefully hundreds of athletes from all over the world. So from a tourism point of view, you're going to be filling hotels and filling restaurants and just putting, you know, Clonmel and Tipperary on the map for that weekend. So was it was it difficult or did you try to bring the, the local bodies on board with you as well? Um, yes, Owen, definitely part of it. Um, you have to have these people with you to run this event. And um, I suppose we saw from Gecko that, look, this is a big tourist attraction. You're going to bring five, maybe 700 athletes, top athletes to, your, to this area. So that was key in my mind was to approach uh, your local county councils who were so supportive. We initially had um, wanted to bring it to the Galtys, of course, because it's right here on our home, uh, on our doorstep. So unfortunately, the logistics of buses to and from the Galtys was going to be <laughs> a nightmare, to be fair. So uh, at the end of all that, um, we decided Clonmel because of it being a town that you can actually run an event out of. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Clamel, but um, we, we can actually start it in the town. And there's a nice, <laughs> nice little course where you have about a mile on the road, which is yeah. quite steep, which European athletes love. And that gets you up to the mountain and then you're, the rest of your 10K is out on the mountain. It's a marked course. You know, okay. so it's not like you need to navigate or anything like that. So people needn't to worry. Um, it will be totally marked. So, yeah. So that's why Clonmel, I suppose, um, being near to us here where we live in the Glen of Arherlow, it's um, ideal from a point of view of legwork and having to be in that place and trying to organize the event. I'm sure there are probably other areas in Ireland that it would have been just as nice to host it. But I suppose the fact that we live here and um we were going to be the main organizers logistically it made more sense to find an area where where we could work from as well ourselves so we've had fantastic support from tourist um the tourist board Alta ireland you know there's different grants and that available the county councils in clonmel in care i have to say we had a whole year where we thought we were we were going to be hosting it from there and they've all been fantastic We've been contacting the Kyoto's groups just to build a bit of atmosphere around the event um, because we want to make it an experience, not just uh, your race day, you know. Sure. And I know like from, you know, myself going to these events over the years as well. Um, you begin to realize the actual work that goes on behind, you know, putting on a big championship like this. So I'm sure you, you probably must have a core team of uh, how many people would you say are on your core organizing team? You, you mentioned Imre there. I'm sure Richard Noonan and the committee there are, are helping you. But I'm sure down at a local ground level there, you must have a big, strong team as well to help you get everything ready. Yes. Yes. As I said, um, from, from the get-go, our own club itself, Athletics Club, have been so supportive um, with the members there. There's at least, I think, six to seven members of the local organising committee for this event are from our own club here. Um, so uh, they're just fantastic. And then on top of that, 
obviously the support of um, Munster Chairman, you have Robbie Williams, and you've got uh, Laura Flynn, she's chairperson of Amor in Dublin, Richard, of course, Brian mm. Flannery. There's about 18 now on the committee. We started out with about, I'd say, six or seven initially. Mm. And as the event has grown, it's 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 a challenge. I won't deny that. Yeah, um, I can imagine you're busy. I'm sure you're going to be doing lots of Zoom calls over the next couple of months. Uh, yes, it's quite a challenge. Uh, bigger than, I suppose, you know, you're heading out and you're thinking, yeah, that's all doable. But like you said, it's the small things to get in place. It's, you know, um, we have to get uh, equipment up to the top of a mountain. The logistics of getting it there, the logistics of um, is it safe? Do we need to get security? Um, simple things outside of the race itself, of course, you know, um, yeah. all these things have to be taught through and planned. So, as I said, we've been planning it for a while and I just can't say enough about the people who are on the committee and how supportive they've been. And everyone, in fairness, we're all volunteers, so everybody's working outside of this. Yeah, and, of course. Um, you know, so you're trying to work with people's strengths and what they bring to the table. So um, we have a lot of good people on board, I have to say. So I'm confident we'll get there, though it's going to be a few struggles, but I'm confident <laughs> well, we'll get well, there. Well, let's try and get as many runners down as possible, Tricia. And what I was going to ask you was, you know, we, we've mentioned memories of Irish flags being risen on these trips and medals being won by the great Masters teams and Masters athletes that we have. But for, for the people that are listening, maybe, that never taught that they would represent Ireland in an international race or ever get a medal. It's not, of course, just for elite masters, mountain runners. This is a championship that's open for everybody. So maybe could you just talk to us about, say, just your, you know, your normal trail runner, mountain runner, somebody that loves running on the mountains, who's over 35, of course. This is actually a chance to, to run for Ireland. And you don't need to qualify, as far as I know. So maybe just talk to us about how just yet yeah, the, the, the normal runner can enter a world championships if they want to. Yes, this is the beauty of this event. And it's probably unique in that sense that, um, you know, you don't have to qualify to run for your country to, to, to have that proud moment of wearing the green, white and gold, um, which for me was was just so proud to be able to do that um obviously you need to be able to run the trails it, you need to be familiar with the trails but yes it is open to anyone over the age of 35 and under the age of 80 <laughs> unfortunately okay. they're not allowing the 80 year olds on yes <laughs> we're, we're hoping to change that but for the minute okay. um from 35 to 79 so it's a fantastic event in that each age category then from, let's say, 35 to 40, for example, within that, that's a complete race in that you've got your first, second and third male, first, second yeah. and third female, and you've got your club or your um, team events as well within that. So each category is within itself an, a race. So you're not competing against the whole field. And um, anyone can make up the team. Your first three home makes up your team. So get out there, get the shoes on, get a bit of training in, a bit of speed work. I mean, you can look up these events um, on the Wimra World Mountain Running webpage. You get yeah. an idea of times, you know, what might be expected of you in, in course difficulty and elevation. Um, mm. I mean, the big advantage here is we're on home ground. We've gone to these events and you'll know, Owen, because you've been there yourself, that the yeah. temperature can be just so disheartening wearing you know if you're not used to those temperatures it can really really affect your race and your performance yeah. and you know we're here this is a major opportunity for Ireland to do so well at this event fill the field with green white and gold that's what I say sure and Trisha, so, what what are the limitations in terms of the numbers that you can have in the race is it capped at 200 or 300 and there may be a follow-up question when can people enter because I suppose we do have to leave a bit of room for all the Italians and French and maybe <laughs> South Americans and Americans that might come. 
So, you know, is there a risk that will fill it up with, you know, lots and lots of Irish entries um, streaming in? So what, what are you looking numbers wise? How, how does that pan out? To my knowledge, um, there are no limits. So let's just pack it up and let them <laughs> let them come and tell us afterwards, guys, we have to we have to give you a whole separate event. Just not okay. <laughs> no, to my knowledge, there is no cap on the amount of runners you can have representing your country. So that makes it so doable for so many people. Um, I can't can't reiterate enough how important it is for us to get our runners out there to try out the course. Um, What was the other question? The course itself is up on our website. We do have a website. Um, So that's www. Is there any point in calling that out? If you look up... Mountain. I'll put it in the show notes um, as well, Trish, yeah, not to worry. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So just so people can log on there, our registration will be opening in the next week or two. So okay. when you go in, you will register uh, for the event within your category. And um, accommodation-wise, um, I suppose Clonmel isn't a huge town. It's a big town, but it's not a huge town. So mm. um, if I could... <laughs> I'd love to keep all that accommodation for uh, our uh, our foreign athletes coming over uh, in the sense that um, I suppose you're expecting people to hire cars and yeah. travel to Clonmel um, and our public transport while it's good. And hopefully we will try. We'll see how numbers come in um, put on maybe some bus service and that for people around the area. Um, our, our hotels, we have block booked for that weekend. So if you are going to book a hotel, just mention that you're running uh, the World's Masters race. Okay. Um, yeah. On the races, Tricia, there's two different courses, I think, isn't there? There's an 8.4 kilometer course, and then there's a slightly longer one, 10.5. And um, what's the difference between the two? Is the 8.4 for a certain age limit and above? Yes. So from over, over 55 to your over... Uh, 75s will do the shorter course um okay. i think our course it's supposed to be it's anywhere between uh seven and eight so i think ours is a little over eight okay um the elevation will be all that will be on the website and yeah. then for your over 35s to your over 50s you have the longer course which for us it's actually 11k 11.2k i think they have and the elevations are slightly different um your start yeah. is the same so you'll all be starting from the same place and your finish will be the same so it's just uh out on the course there is um there's going to be a, a cut off area where the shorter course will be brought down to the finish and the longer course takes you further out around the mountain okay. yeah and i saw that on the website the website goes through it very well Trisha. like for example the longer one i have 635 meter ascent 345 meter descent so an up and down course um for anybody that's maybe new to mountain running and trail running Trisha, is it a very technical course or would it be manageable um it's not too tricky is it uh no that's again a lot of europeans love an uphill only course which yeah. has been the case in many years. So again, it's an advantage that we're having it on home ground because um, our mountains wouldn't be high enough here to have an uphill only course. Yeah. So yeah. ours is an up and downhill. There's sections of it that are quite technical, um, but it's all very doable. I'd encourage anyone on the 19th of June, we're having a test run of the event. Oh, fantastic, um, yeah. Yeah, if you check up the Emory calendar, it, gave, yeah. it gives anyone an opportunity to pop down to Clonmel on the Comoros and have a go, have a go on the course. So, Brilliant. Uh, and then on, on, on the day after the official championship race, I think there's an open race as well, is there? I presume yeah. for maybe friends, family or anybody under 35 or anybody that maybe didn't quite make the championship race. Or anyone over 79. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yes, the open race is the following morning. So we will just, I suppose, to give you just a quick overview of the weekend. On, on the Friday evening, um, there will be a parade of athletes in the town with speeches and um, 
what would I say? We raised the flag. There's a special uh, master's flag that we collected last year in Austria. So that's a bit of a ceremony goes with that. So that flag gets raised at the start uh, of the evening on the Friday evening. They parade, the athletes will parade down through the town. And um, just to, you know, again, to bring a bit of festivity to the event. And then we have a pasta party for them afterwards. Obviously, party is probably the wrong word because these are athletes and they're not going to be partying the night before the race. But um, the following day then is all your, your race day. So all the races will be ran off. And then that evening you'll have a banquet with the prize giving and all your team prizes and individual prizes will all be handed out then. And then we have the following day, like you said, we have the open race, which will start first thing in the morning. And that's just a once-off race where we'll have, again, as you said, anyone who's interested in running it who wasn't eligible or didn't qualify. And you often get competitors who ran the day before, like to give the course another try, maybe whatever <laughs> race, nerves, whatever, you know. Yeah, they head out yeah. again. So yeah. that's a big opportunity, yeah. Fantastic. And of course, you know, running in a world championship like that, um, everybody has to wear the official gear. Trisha. And I remember when I was a young boy, a young nine and 10 year old in Dublin, I used to dream of, of wearing an Irish jersey in a World Cup or whatever. And thankfully, it came through in the mountain running. And anybody that knows me from the trips knows that I love the gear and I'm always swapping and trading and trying to get different signets from all different countries. And um, if anybody is running in the championship, they have to wear I think an Irish singlet, don't they? Yes, yes, that's part um, of the requirement. And and um, uh, I do remember when uh, you mentioned there earlier to me, Owen, uh, with yourself and the team that won the over 35s that time in Slovakia, probably from the length of time I've been traveling to these events, that was one of our proudest moments to get the over 35 gold on that day was just fantastic yeah I've still got the singlet and I was going to say Trisha that do you think it would be easy for people to get the official Irish gear to to run in and I know last year I think I bought a set of gear from I think it was JFS Sports if anybody googles it they can get the Irish Masters gear there from the the Homa brand J-O-M-A they do a lovely um, set of Irish gear and I'm just wondering do you have anything in place for anybody who might be looking to get some Irish gear that they can run in come in September yeah um it's a difficult it's really hard to get their hands on Irish gear now uh, Leo McMahon is great um he's in the he is, yeah. team yeah. as well and Liam always manages to pull gear out of somewhere I don't know where he gets it I do remember um just just going back um, I happened to be on, on, on a winning, uh, we were bronze team. I was with Mags Green and Helen White. That's way back. I can't remember what year that was. But we, we were getting the team prize. And back then, this was in Germany, I think. And um, I didn't bring any gear. I didn't have gear at the time. And uh, I remember we were heading for the podium and we were swapping gear. We had to get some gear off the boys who had already been up for their silver. And uh, we were trying to pull on the gear and trying to get up on the podium with our, 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 our gear just to look the part, you know. So, yeah, there was a bit of a, a panic on when it comes to the gear. Um, and I've been on to Leo, of course, and he has, uh, he has dropped me two bags of gear. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. So, now the problem <laughs> is sure. sizes and everything so we will definitely distribute a certain amount how that's going to happen i'm not sure so that all has to be taught through and like you said uh maybe just like you said put a link on the on the site and give people an opportunity maybe to buy their own gear Exactly. Um, so you, you never know where yeah. people might source old ASICs, New Balance, and of course yes. um, you know, the, the new brand as well. So you never know what might might appear. Um, in might September. come out of the, the yeah yeah yeah. It, exactly. And, and I suppose maybe just the last question, Trisha, was for for today was, um, have you got much interest um, from abroad yet? Like I'm sure the last twelve months, you know, so meant much travel and and trips and and everything up in the air. But now, kind of looks. 
like we're, we're coming out of the tunnel. We're, we're hopefully getting back to normal. Um, has there been much inquiries coming in from the different countries around Europe, especially who, who always travel to these uh, events? What, what's your inbox like at the moment? Yeah, <laughs> it's getting quite busy. And that's even without registration being open yet. You know, yeah. we were kind of sitting on the website hoping, look, we'll get it all ready because it's it's the website is always on the make. So you're upgrading, you're adding pieces. Um, we have T-shirts sponsored by Columbia. So, you know, we're going to get those Brilliant. designed and put them up just to keep the interest rolling, obviously, on the website. But um, to answer your question, yes, it's been quite busy. And like that, people looking for, oh, what can you recommend that we can do for the weekend? Um you know, what's happening around the area. So really looking forward to when we open registration, there is going to be a huge influx of uh, inquiries. And, um, you know, and it's it's so nice. It's not only around the race. Mm. People are actually inquiring about what to do in Ireland. I think they would have no problem driving three, four miles. <laughs> so what am I saying? Three, four miles, three, four hours to... Um, you know, to 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 see a nice monument or to experience yeah. a bit of our country, you know. So that those kind of questions are coming in as well, you know. So yeah, it's going to be busy. I'm going to have to set up a little office and just put five or six people in there answering mails. I think. Yeah, of course. And I saw some very ambitious plans as well mentioned somewhere about you're hoping to maybe live stream it as well. That would be fantastic. Now, I'm yes. sure there's a bit of an operation involved in that, but to, to do something like that would be brilliant. Well, we have a great man on board with us to do the chip timing, Dean Watson. I don't know if you'd be familiar with Dean. No, um, no. Yeah, Dean has agreed to do the chip timing and registration. It all comes in within his his remit. Brilliant. So um, Dean is very high tech. So he is bringing a lot with him. Uh, you've got your... Um, let's say you have a rolling camera he's putting up this live stream um, he's got your photo finish um, he's got hopefully as well out on the course might be able to give some split times some photographs taken let's we'll say if we have a Stuart out on the course um, that he would automatically um, with an app that Dean, can, Dean supplies maybe um, just take photographs and they will be streamed back to the finish line and people can view themselves on the course and stuff like that. So Fantastic. Um, as I said, I'm not a high tech person, so my explanation might not be 100%, but definitely um, Dean has a lot of ideas and it looks like it's really going to be great. No, well, listen, it, it all sounds absolutely fantastic, Trisha. And just, you know, for anybody, any young boy or girl that dreamt of running for Ireland or representing Ireland, well, this now, now is their chance to do it, isn't now it? Now is their opportunity, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah if, yeah, if there was ever, ever, um, as I said, for me, it was just watching the Olympics as a kid, following exactly. Sonia yeah. Sullivan. My dream was always, oh, my God, just an opportunity to represent my country and yeah. to stand, like I said, even if it was with secondhand gear standing on that podium, it was amazing. It was probably the best experience of my life so far. Absolutely. So, and so just to emphasize again, isn't it, that this is for all levels, Trisha. It's for anybody that's listening in, that you yeah. don't need to be up near the top of Imra races or up near the top of any of the road races around the country. Just once you love running, once you yes. love the mountains, get down to the Clonmel from the 2nd to the 4th of September, the 21st World Mountain Running Championships on home soil. Trisha, what a wonderful weekend it's going to be. Best of luck to yourself and Tom all the team down there and uh, hopefully we'll see you in a couple of months and what a wonderful weekend it's going to be. Thank you very much, Owen. Really appreciate the interview. And um, again, main day is 3rd of September. So just keep that in your head. That's the, that's the big one. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll, look, so we'll look out then as well for the, um, for the entries opening over the next week or two. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's going to start happening in the next week or two. Rage will be open Super. and... Just make sure you get in there and get your name down and uh, good six months training. Absolutely no bother, I reckon. Thanks a million and best of luck. And we'll chat again soon, hopefully. Great. Thank you so much, John. Thank you.
Well, what a special event that is going to be. And as we were saying there, an event for everybody to look forward to, all ages, all levels. And guys, I'd keep an eye on the website and their social media pages because I expect that when they open up the entries, their race numbers will fly out. And hopefully we'll have lots and lots of international runners coming from all over the world to join us in Clonmel um, in September. And after the last few years that we've all had, wouldn't that be something special indeed? Um, that's a wrap for this episode, everybody. A little reminder, if you can, take a moment to go over to Patreon, um, patreon.com, Podcast, And for the price of a gel a month, that will help keep us going over the course of the year. In the meantime, guys, enjoy your training, enjoy your racing. Everybody, let's get our running gear on. Let's go. Let's go.